you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G. D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Hello, Dodger fans, and welcome to Locked on Dodgers. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Ravine Fiends, and with me is Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, the Dodgers survived the weekend. How did you survive the weekend? Uh, yeah, I had a great time because uh, I was unable to watch two of the four games, uh, two of the three games since we talked last. So uh, I only had to watch one of them. And uh, that was the one that actually somewhat resembled a baseball game, even though the Dodgers lost. At least it kind of seemed like baseball. Uh, so, yeah, the rest of the time on Friday. Yeah, f- no. Friday night I was at the Padres Cardinals game at Petco Park. So I was kind of keeping track of the game on my phone until it got out of hand. Uh, but I didn't have seen any of that garbage. And then uh, Saturday's game I watched and even though they lost, it was okay. And then today or Sunday's game, I was driving back home to Utah from California and uh, I listened to the game and it was nice of the Dodgers to give me a four hour game. So that killed about 40% of my, of my drive and it was actually enjoyable to listen to, except for the fact that the Rockies radio announcers are excruciatingly bad. Yeah, that's, that part's rough. The rest sounds great. Like I said, the Dodgers split the series, but uh, as I said last week, as long as they came out with no injuries, I'll consider that a win. They came out with no injuries, so it's considered a win in my book. Uh, today we're going to talk about the weekend series, get into a little bit of numbers about some with some guys in, in Coors Field talk. Uh, and then we'll transition into some all-star stuff and A.J. Pollock and what his return would mean for the Dodgers. Before all that, a reminder to subscribe to Locked on Dodgers on the Himalaya app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you get in your car in the morning, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded, and be like Jeff. Jeff, weren't you weren't you in a Hotels.com hotel this weekend? I was. It was a nice hotel, and uh, I mean, you can also get crappy hotels through Hotels.com. Whatever you want to get, you can get. Uh, but I happened to be at a nice one because that's where the uh, the Saber Convention was held, and uh, I got a good deal, and I earned some rewards. So what more could I want? You know? Yeah. There you go. All right, so let's get into the weekend series. Uh, like I said, it was not necessarily a fun series to watch. Uh, if you like a lot of runs, I guess it was fun. But even then, it was a little bit frustrating as a Dodger fan. But in the end, we all they all came out healthy, so it was fine. Uh, Jeff, I know you had some points you wanted to bring up about a couple guys and Coors specifically, I think. Yeah. Uh, what did you ha- What did you have in mind? Yeah. Well, the you know, the core specific part is basically you you got to be careful what lessons you try to take from a series in, in Denver. Uh, basically, anything negative about pitchers or positive about hitters, you kind of just have to ignore it uh, because obviously we could 
we could start wringing our hands about the fact that the Dodgers three best starters all got lit up uh, to some degree or another uh, this weekend. But, you know, I don't think any of us is actually worried that Walker Bueller and Hyunjin Ryu and Clayton Kershaw are, are bad now. You know, they they all had varying degrees of success, but you can chalk that up to Coors. And in the same way, uh, you know, Chris Taylor, I'm glad he had a great weekend, uh, but I'm also not really ready to to draw too much. You know, obviously that continued that he had been doing. Uh, Max Muncy hit some home runs this weekend, but kind of all of that, you just kind of have to say, okay, probably Coors, and we'll see what happens when they get back home. But I think positives about pitchers and negatives about hitters, you can you can take a little bit more. Uh, so, you know, one positive Julio on Sunday, uh, was just outstanding Pitched three innings, three shutout innings, uh, struck out a bunch of dudes, you know, he, he just looked really, really good. And to do that in Coors, that's a, that's a lesson you can say, okay, that's, there's something there. So, uh, I was excited to, I, I shouldn't say see that I didn't see, it. I listened to it on the radio and then I watched highlights when I got home, but, uh, Julio looked really, really good on Sunday. Uh, and then I have some negative things to say too, but you want to talk about Julio a little bit? Yeah. Like I also didn't get to see Sunday's game. I was in and oh, I, I saw parts of it. I didn't really get to see any Julio, uh, but it goes to a point that I touched on last week where, you know, Julio, that's the, that's the guy and that's the role that they kind of need from him. And that's the role he he's really fulfilling well. And like you said, it just, it just furthers the point that I made last week that, that might be the role that they need him in for the rest of the year, barring injuries. And it might be a huge role come postseason time when he can you know, piggyback off starters and give you two or three innings in the middle of the game to, to bridge you to the end of the Jansen and Baez and whoever else they get. Yeah. If you assume a four man rotation, the postseason of Ryu, Bueller, Kershaw and Hill, it's easy to see them needing a piggybacker, you know, off Hill maybe, or, you know, maybe even Kershaw depending on, you know, uh, any of them could have a short game or whatever, but so, yeah, uh, I, I liked what you had to say last week. I like Julio in this role. Obviously I'm looking forward to next year when he can be a starter. Uh, but, but it, he's a good weapon to have right now, the bullpen. Uh, and then as far as offensively, like I said, some negative things can stick out offensively. And I had some thoughts and then a couple guys tried to mess up my thoughts by having good games on Sunday. Uh, but they're kind of bigger issues. And so they're still applicable uh, Russell Martin, uh, obviously had a, had a decent game on Sunday. Jock Peterson had a good game on Sunday. Uh, Jock went three for six with three RBIs and, you know, had some big hits. So that was a good game for Jock. Uh, overall though, <laughs> uh, Jock has been basically, we just finished June and Jock had a lousy month of June, uh, overall. And, I was looking into kind of some of the causes of it and some things jumped out at me. Uh, and actually it jumped out at me watching him because I don't know if you've noticed this Vince, but it seemed to my eye, like I was seeing a lot of weak pulled ground balls by jock in the last month or so. Uh, yeah. I definitely don't remember a lot of squared up balls by jock recently. A lot of pop-ups and grounders, like you said, pop-ups and grounders to the second baseman. And, uh, and the numbers kind of bear that out. If you look at the, the beginning of this season from opening day through June 1st, uh, jock had, 
a hard hit percentage of 47 and a half. Uh, but then since then his heart hard hit percentage is down to 39.7. So that's down 7.8 percentage points, which is a whole lot. Uh, his medium hit percentage is down a little bit, uh, just from 39.3% down to 38.1. So if hard hit percentage and medium hit percentage are both down, guess what's up? His soft hit percentage in the first, you know, three months of the season was 13.1%. He almost never was hitting the ball softly in, in the, in June, since June 2nd, it's 22.2%. So almost, a, I mean, basically almost doubled the number of softly hit balls. And then also, if you look at his, his fly ball and ground ball percentages, uh, Jock at his best from in the first three months of the season, his fly ball percentage was 42.1%. And his homers for, per fly ball was 33.3%. One out of every three fly balls was going over the fence and he was hitting a lot of fly balls. Uh, since then, his fly ball percentage is down to 38.1%, so down four percentage points, or you know, roughly about 10%. And his home runs per fly ball is down to 12.5%. And so, you know, that obviously goes along with he's not hitting the ball as hard. So when he does hit it in the air, it's not going over the fence. And uh his his line drive percentage is down, his ground ball percentage is up. And so you've got I don't know what the issue is, or I don't know what the cause is, but it's easy to see what the problem is, which is that he's not hitting the ball hard. Uh, and I don't know what the solution is, but uh, the end result is Jock has, he, he, his his numbers in June just have caused his whole season numbers to just plummet. And he was really, really bad in June. And so I'm hoping he can snap out of it uh, but they're going to have to figure something out because they've been trying to figure out ways to keep him in the lineup when Pollock comes back. And we'll talk more about that later, but as of right now, the answer is, okay, I guess Jock doesn't get to play much because, because he isn't earning playing time. And obviously, hopefully, uh, Sunday was signs of a breakout. Uh, but even then he hit three singles, you know, he, he didn't, he's still not hitting the ball super hard. And so, uh, and then when you combine that with it being Coors, and so more balls are going to drop in because the outfield outfield's so huge, it's hard to take too much from that. Uh, you want to talk about Jock before I move on to Russell? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, the the, the numbers show kind of what we saw, and but yeah, I mean, we'll touch on that the other point too about him they, them trying to find him more playing time for when Pollock does return. Uh, but the yeah, I mean, like you said, we and we said it last week on Friday is that or maybe when I was talking to you separate, I don't remember, but that Jock was a legit all-star candidate before all-star voting started, all-star voting started. And that's kind of when he went on his slump and, and it's been a bad month. Uh, but like I said, it, it, it probably a combination of a few things. He has to make some adjustments. Pitchers might be pitching him a little different. So uh, some adjustments should be made. Hopefully he'll get it going. Uh, you know, him hitting like 260 early in the season was probably a little bit, uh, of a high point for him he's probably more in the 240 range anyways but uh yeah well, i mean we'll see what 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 adjustments he makes and how he comes back maybe he's just a little tired too who knows uh, there's a lot of different things that could go on but uh, they're gonna need him to be how he was earlier in the year uh, not necessarily for now for division purposes but at least heading into october for sure yeah 
Um, and along those same lines, Russell Martin, after the game on May 19th, Russell is batting 261 with a 397 on base percentage and a 435 slugging percentage. That's an 831 OPS. Uh, he was really, really, he was, I mean, very, very valuable. Since then, so he had an 831 OPS on that day. Since then, his OPS is 545. Uh, he's batting 219 with a 311 on base percentage and a 234 slugging percentage. Zero home runs and one double in the last month plus for Russell Martin. And that's just not getting it done. And and the problem, again, is he's hitting so many weak ground balls. Uh, and, and his, it's more medium hit, but he's hitting 53.3% of his balls on the ground in the, in the last, uh, you know, five or six weeks. And that was an issue for him last year coming into this year was kind of switching that, that launch angle and clearly it hasn't really worked. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it seemed like it was working early in the season, but in the last five or six weeks, it's just hitting everything medium hardness on the ground. And so, I mean, basically he's hitting crisp grounds out to, to shortstop and, you know, when he's not striking out, which he's doing a lot of too. And he's looked really bad in some at bats, uh, you know, and again, he got a couple of hits on Sunday, but overall it's, it's hard to, it's hard to justify giving him playing time at this point. Um, defensively, he's been fine, uh, but not nothing to justify, you know, Kike Hernandez keeps getting at bats because he's playing solid defense at a lot of positions, Russell Martin's defense is not enough to justify playing him uh, with his bat the way it is. Uh, Austin Barnes hasn't been much better lately. Uh, and Will Smith apparently has some sort of nagging injury in AAA. So I don't know what the solution is immediately. But uh, it's hard to see Russell Martin uh, making it all the way through the season unless Austin Barnes gets hurt. Because uh, one of those guys is going to be Will Smith's backup by the end of the season. And it's not going to be martin unless barnes is hurt yeah martin might might get the the chase utley uh il move and just kind of kick it in the in the dugout if uh if that goes down so we'll see we'll see how that goes we'll keep monitoring that that'll do it for the first half coming up we're going to talk some all-stars and aj pollock before all that another reminder to subscribe to the show at uh, locked on dodgers uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, Himalaya, Google, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Um, yeah, and that's all we have to say, so we'll be right back. All right, let's take a quick break. For the next minute or two, we're going to talk about SEX. So if you have any KIDS in the CAR, go ahead and plug their EARS for a minute, okay? Hope I spelled all those words right, and I hope you could tell what they meant. Uh, have you ever gone to the barber and wondered why there's a bunch of gray hairs on the ground when they're done cutting your hair? Or have you ever played catch with your son and then you feel like a truck hit you for the next couple days? Or maybe when it comes to the sexy times, are you maybe just maybe a little less always ready to go than you were when you were younger? Don't answer those questions out loud and please do not tweet your answers at us. It's none of our business. In fact, to quote Michael Jackson from back when we were allowed to acknowledge his existence, ain't nobody's business but mine and my baby. That's where BlueChew.com comes in. If you want to increase your performance and get some extra confidence in bed, check out BlueChew. 
That's blue, as in I bleed Dodger blue, and chew, as in Madison Bumgarner likes to chew out opponents who pimp homers or flip bats or look at him because he's a crybaby and a stunted immaturity, whatever he is. Ugh. Anyway, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. But the best part is... Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a boost in the bedroom, either in quality, quantity, or both. I mean, I obviously don't have any problems in that department. I don't mean to brag, but I do have three whole kids. But I have to admit, even I am a little bit intrigued. So anyway, right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Dodgers. All right, we are back, and start of the second show means Obscure Dodger of the Day. And with the theme of All-Stars and with it now being July, my Obscure Dodger of the Day is Jeff Shaw. Jeff Shaw was a closer that the Dodgers acquired in 1998 on July 4th. Uh, he actually made the all-star team and as a member of the Reds and then was a Dodger before, before he even pitched, right, with the Dodgers? he was The uh, first time he wore a Dodger uniform in public was in the all-star game. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, so he, he came on and he did a decent job for the Dodgers, but the big... The big thing with him is that the Dodgers did trade Paul Konerko in order to get him. That was Paul Konerko and Dennis Reyes, but uh, obviously Paul Konerko had the better career between those two. Uh, I don't. Re- I remember seeing Paul Konerko as a minor leaguer, and I remember my dad would talk about him. I'm not sure. Is there you have a comparison for today's fans of you know how what what type of prospect Paul Konerko was, and you know kind of balance out what they traded. Yeah, you know, Canerco was an interesting one because he had come up to the Dodgers uh, two years in a row and had not been very good at all. And and not even in a tiny, I mean, in 98, he had been up for 158 plate appearances and had a 578 OPS. And so, you know, you've got the, he was good in the minor leagues, showed a lot of power. You know, in 96, he had 30 homers between AA and AAA. Uh, in 97, he had 37 homers. So, I mean, he was a really good hitter clearly, but you know, some of that was in the PCL and Albuquerque, which is offense friendly, you know? So I think it was hard for them to kind of know for sure what they had. And he defensively, uh, he didn't really have a position. He was playing some third base, but mostly first base and, and, and he wasn't really even good at that. And like we saw with the with the White Sox, after you know he spent what, just the rest of ninety eight with the Reds, and then he went to the White Sox, and he was almost immediately you know DHing a lot of the time, 
And so it's, uh, you know, it, it, for me, the comparison would be kind of like the, uh, the U Darvish trade for Willie Calhoun, a guy who is a good hitting prospect who, you know, he may go on to have a great career, but he was unlikely to have that same career with the Dodgers. True. Yeah. I was thinking maybe a DJ Peters type, but you know, obviously DJ Peters not as advanced. He hasn't been up to the majors yet. Yeah. And Canerco was a better hitter, like a better average hitter than, than DJ Peters, I think is ever going to be, uh, but, and, and Peters has more defensive value probably. Yeah. All right. So during Sunday's game, the all-star reserves and pitchers were announced, which is still weird to me why they would do it when teams are still playing. Uh, but the Dodgers ended up getting four all-stars, which Jeff and I both predicted, but it wasn't the four we thought. Uh, it was four that we mentioned, but uh, obviously we, Cody Bellinger was named a starter. We already knew that. Uh, the Dodgers had no other no other position players. And then Ryu, Kershaw, and Bueller all made it as pitchers, with Ryu being named the starting pitcher by Dave Roberts. So, Jeff, let's talk about the snub first. Max Muncy, I know he was in a tough spot, but, I mean, the man was snubbed. There's no way around it. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, it's interesting because – it used to be that the manager had a lot more say in who made the team. And these days, you know, there's the player vote and there's a commissioner selection and a lot of different things. And so I think pretty clearly if Dave Roberts had had more say, uh, Max Muncy would be on the all-star team, but he doesn't. And he's not except that I wouldn't be surprised if he still is, you know, um, there's there's always guys who drop out. I'm trying to pull up the the list right now. Um whatever. The MLB.com is being stupid. Um I think the only one I was hurt currently is Story, but he's supposed to be back. Story's supposed to be back on Tuesday. They were saying uh it, during the broadcast on the on the Rockies channel. Um but you know, it's not always injury. There's, you know, there's different things. And so I assume Max, I, I think the manager does get a lot more say in replacing injured guys. And so I think if even one guy drops out, one position player drops out, Muncie is in. And I I think there's always somebody who drops out, even if it's not an injury. It's just, a, you know what, my hammy's been a little bit questionable and I could really use those three days off. Uh, so I think the Dodgers will end up with five. I think Muncy will be there. And and if that's the case, it won't ultimately matter that he wasn't on the first list of names released. And you can understand why he's not there because he doesn't play a single position. And and because the votes, I assume that the player votes and everything were also by position, just like the fan vote was. And so Muncy is listed as a first baseman, and that's a really hard position to crack. Uh, I think if he was a second base he would have had a better ch- chance or if they took into account that he can play three positions, he would have had a better chance. And so if Roberts has a say in it, I think Muncy will end up there. Yeah. I uh, saw that uh, in the end now, 18 of the top 21 NL position players in terms of fan graphs war made it. The three that didn't were Muncy who was tied for sixth. And then two guys, Escobar from the D backs and Machado, who are 17th and 19th. So, I mean, they're, they're all the way at the end. 
So, yeah, I mean, he was hurt by being the first baseman because, there, you, I mean, you can argue that maybe Muncy deserves it over one of those guys, but not necessarily, not really. I mean, Josh Bell and Freeman and, and Alonzo are all having really good years and, you know, arguably just as valuable as Muncy. I mean, not valuable, but in terms of hitting, uh, obviously Muncy brings value in other ways. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, the Dodgers are the first – no, the fifth team in the last 20 years with three starting pitchers to make the all-star game. Last year's Astros were the most recent, but then you have the Philly, 2011 Phillies with Halliday, Hamels, Cliff Lee, the 2011 Giants with Lincecum, Kane, and Vogelsong, and then the 2010 Yankees with Sabathia, Pettit, and Phil Hughes. Those all kind of have two established guys and a random guy, uh, and I guess if you really wanted to go that this way, Kershaw and maybe Buehler are the established guys in terms of Kershaw established for different reasons. Bueller established by stuff. And Reeves kind of random, but I mean, Reeves been the best pitcher in the league so far this year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what we kind of, we talked about this. We basically said we thought it would be one or the other between Kershaw and Bueller, but it ended up being both of them. So, uh, I mean, good luck for the Dodgers starting rotation. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, obviously Ryu right now is the front runner for the Cy Young award. There's a, a lot of season left, so who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, if Ryu wins the Cy Young Award this year, and you have to assume that there's a decent chance that Bueller's going to win a Cy Young Award sometime before his career is over. And so, you know, the, these three Dodgers aren't quite the same mold as those other those other teams you listed because they really are three really good pitchers uh, who deserve to be there. It's kind of funny that Kershaw spent years as the best pitcher in baseball and never did start an all-star game. And now this will be the second time in the last what four or five years that one of his teammates started the all-star game instead of him. Yeah. Um, obviously, Ryu deserves it more than Kershaw this year, no matter what Steve Dilbeck says. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Kershaw doesn't get in the game. Um, if they ha- keep Kershaw as, you know, that, possible extra inning guy that they always hold back one, one pitcher uh, just to, to give Kershaw a break, give, give him some time uh, even though he'll be there for the festivities, but give his arm a break. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to see them actually having three innings of the game pitched by Dodgers pitchers. Uh, but it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. That, that, that they got three pitchers on the team. Yeah. All right. Our last talking point for the day is AJ Pollock, who is on the mend and took live batting practice and should return after the all-star break. Um, You know, obviously they're going to ease them in, in terms of the number of rehab games, but assuming once he's back on the team, he's going to be pretty much the everyday center fielder, uh, maybe a couple extra days off here and there. So with that, we can talk about that. We can talk about the Jock Peterson experiment at first a little more and, you know, exactly how this is going to shift around the Dodgers and the defense and everything else. Yeah, you know, and like we were saying, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see whether Jock deserves playing time at that point. Uh, Pollock, you know, we, we still don't know how much of his poor play had to do with the elbow and how much was just – he was bad. And so Pollock is going to have to battle for playing time. Jock is going to have to battle for playing time. 
I think Verdugo and Bellinger have kind of locked themselves in as, you know, every day or almost every day starters in the outfield. And, you know, and then you've got when Seager comes back too, well, that bumps Chris Taylor into needing somewhere to play. Uh, and maybe that's second base and move Muncie back to first, you know, and, and Beatty's the odd man out. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny to see how well the Dodgers have done without Pollock. Uh, and he's going to really need to do something special when he comes back to, to kind of justify the playing time. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I think they're going to give him a little bit longer leash than, than maybe they need to, but it, it's, you know, rightfully so, I guess. Uh, as long as it's not in lieu of Verdugo playing time, I'm I'm not going to be upset if Jock loses some playing time or or, or Kige or t- even Taylor. Uh, I don't think he can stay this hot for that long. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the biggest part is just how he's going to play and, and if – the elbow thing was an issue or whatever was an issue early on, if it was actually a thing or not. And, you know, the defense was the big praise for him when he came in. I wasn't necessarily impressed by the defense, but I don't, you know, maybe he was just learning new, learning Dodger stadium and the other stadiums a little bit better, I guess, whatever, whatever it can be. I'll give him that excuse for now. Uh, so I'm actually excited to see what he can do. Cause if he does come in and hit well and do well, it's kind of like, uh, getting a guy off on, you know, trade deadline acquisition. Uh, and, you know, he was their biggest free agent signer of the offseason. So it'd be nice to get some value from him even in, you know, limited time. Yeah. If it's him and Doogie and Bellinger in the outfield, it'll be kind of funny to have Pollock playing center when he's the third best center fielder in their outfield. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, he's coming back. David Fries is expected back. So some of the younger guys, their their time's coming up between Rios and Beatty and Garlic and however they decide to go with it. Uh, some of those guys' times are coming up, but Garlic's uh, time has come. Um, I I didn't want to devote a whole segment to it, but so I'll just do it really quick. Kyle Garlic is overmatched in the big leagues, and uh, he got his fifteen minutes, and I I think he's uh, I think we are not going to see Kyle Garlic much in the big leagues anymore. Wouldn't be surprised if he goes the Scott Shebler route of being traded to, uh, you know, a second tier team at some point. Yeah, it's possible he might be in the Will Smith trade. Yep. So that will do it for today's show. We want to thank you for listening to Locked On Dodgers. We'll be back tomorrow off day episode, so we'll have to figure out something fun to do. Um, the Dodgers do have an off day. Then they have six games before the all-star break two with the D backs four with the Padres all at home. So it should be a fun week. Home games have been a good time for the Dodgers this year. Remember you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya app or wherever you think we sound best. Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. If you like the show, then you got to show us. I, I'll save We've had a couple more reviews lately, so I'll save, uh, you know, the, the scolding or whatever. What did you call it last week? The lecturing. I'll save that for another time. But remember, if you, you got to show us, you got to you got to subscribe, you got to download, you got to listen, and then you got to rate and review. It does not take a lot of time, and it helps us out a lot. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. You can follow Jeff at Snydog. You can follow me at Vince Samperio. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 323-863-LOCK. 
That's 323-863-L-O-C-K. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play a podcast locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard, all hard and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.